Hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to Vinyl Press, a music podcast show where we want to acquire a deeper understanding as well as appreciation of music through listening to popular albums and records that we have on vinyl through the ages. I'm joined here by my constant co-host, Ethan Kennedy. How are you doing this evening, Ethan? Haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, I'm doing uh, pretty good. Uh, Just working pretty much and that's about it. How about you, Nolan? How are you doing? Doing pretty well. School is uh, starting to pick itself up, so that's always a bummer, but we, uh, we're working hard regardless. So what are what are we listening to, Ethan, today? What are we taking a look at? Well, before I actually say the actual name of the album, um, I'm going to be giving you guys a little story. Uh, Ooh. So I story believe time. The, the date is December 29th, I want to say, December 29th. Uh, it was our mutual friend's birthday, and so we went over to her house to um, to go celebrate. Uh, this was um, in 2018, I want to say. Yes, it was 2018. Sounds, yeah, sounds about right. And so I decided, hey, I'll just give Nolan a ride um, to, to uh, the party because he was on the way. So I was like, hey, Nolan, you want a ride? He's like, sure. So I end up picking him up. We get there. And then out of nowhere, Nolan pulls out an album, and after he's like, here, Ethan, Merry Christmas. You know, it was a little late after Christmas, but don't worry, that's okay. Um, And the album that he pulls out was one of my favorites, Songs from the Big Chair by Tears for Fears. Yeah, I had always heard Ethan talk, like, super fondly about this record, and and I'd never really had the chance to listen to, uh, to it myself before, so I... I listened to it and I was like, "Wow, I can I can see what he's uh, droning on about here." So I, uh, when I was in Kingston, where I go to school, I ended up seeing the record on for a pretty decent price. So I, uh, I ended up getting it and um, you know giving it to Ethan just for however he wanted to use it, whether it be like as an art piece or just something to like listen to. You know, like I kept it in the in the film just in case. So I thought, yeah, it was a little bit belated of a Christmas gift, but. No, See, was that was actually kind of funny to. because um, <laughs> I didn't have like a record player at the time or, or no means to actually play it. So I just kept it like sitting on my shelf like for about like two and a half years. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I finally get the chance to, to review it for you guys. Yeah. So uh, without further ado, let's dive in. What can you tell me about this uh, work, Ethan, since you are, of course, the... Uh, the one who really wanted to take a look at this one tonight. Well, the album was released on February 25th, 1985. It's a synth-pop album uh, written by Kurt Smith and Roland Orzabal. Uh, It features artists such as Ian Stanley and Manny Elias. Uh, The recording label uh, of the album was Phonogram Records. Yeah. And, you know, general thoughts about this album. I, you know, of course, upon first listen was super blown away by like the just the sheer amount of like quality of this album like just how fun it was how good it sounded and i really like how the album derives from arthur janov's work and involves a lot of you know elements of psychiatry such as you know primal therapy and like kind of releasing basing everything on the on the primal screen um for and for those who don't know it's like a technique of like therapy where he believes that all of our childhood or adulthood anxieties stem from childhood trauma 
and like people just need to let out a big old scream to uh to cope with it which is pretty interesting work uh what are your general thoughts about this uh i i really like the album uh <laughs> obviously and um yeah i think it's a it's a great listen for anybody who's who would be interested in uh in just 80s music in general people who like uh some of the bigger songs on the album should definitely give the the rest of the album a listen Mm-hmm. yeah and this album still today has really aged quite well i find like even if there's some more like i'd say like less used instruments you know like the like the fair lights and like the big samplers the drum machines and the and the saxophones they still kind of like have a very nice eclectic feel to uh the music mm-hmm. so i guess now it's time to go into the uh song rundown <clears throat> Yeah, kicking us off, we have Shout. And what I have to say about this track, I think it's a amazing, perfect opener for this type of anthem. It's uh, for this album, sorry. It's like grandiose. It has a really creative use of a drum machine layered with other percussion that comes in later for the intro. The, the melody of the verse is really catchy and, uh, you know, great like synth bass, like, you know, sounds that are just piling on top of each other. And one thing for me is just a really creative lyric element is the uh, how all the choruses end in a verb that lets their them insert the word shout in there. So it still makes like sense grammatically. So like jump for joy becomes shout for joy, you know, tell the tale becomes shout the tale. And it just get, kind of gives a different meaning to the music. So I think this song's really clever, creative, and fun. What are your thoughts? Well, I honestly think that uh, Orzabal's voice on um, on this uh, track is uh, just amazing. And the backing tracks by Sandy McLeland are uh, also pretty good. Like, there's no denying that. And um, this song actually involves uh, a lot of the primal therapy that uh, Nolan was talking about, where you confront your fears by shouting and screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that big old scream that we were referring to yeah. earlier. <laughs> Moving down the list, we have The Working Hour, which is the follow-up to the uh, introduction of this album. What do you have to say about it, Ethan? Well, apparently this song was both Kurt's and Roland's uh, favorite song off the album because of the saxophones. Also, Roland wrote this song uh, because he was tired of people telling him what to do being either with his money, fame, or even his music. Uh, this was his way of dealing with the frustrations associated with like the negative connotation of being told what to do. Mm-hmm. And even with like this like the seemingly like more negative aspects of like the lyrics and what like the artist was going through at the time, this song is so like a bright and, you know, beautiful and kind of like gives us like a sense of not like, nostalgia and like excitement as if like the working hour is something to look forward to even though the lyrics think very differently than that i really am quite fond of this piece i think the saxophone intro is beautiful with like the shimmering keys that come in and out super great melody uh amazing percussion you know with the bongos and the different you know hits of the toms are really fun the shape of the melody reflects the lyrics well kind of the repetitive nature kind of reflects the repetitive nature of like going into a work or a nine to five job every day so i think that was pretty cool and the keyboard the keyboards are just fun and i overall just 
like this uh, like this song a lot. Okay, okay. So I guess now we can move on to the next song. Everybody wants to rule the world. Nolan, what do you think of this song? Yeah, this song def I believe to be the most probably listened to and critically acclaimed song, uh, perhaps off the album, and the one that's definitely aged really well today. Uh, I really love this uh, song due to its themes about like you know power using like you know fear, war, and power against people. Uh, I love the themes of like Cold War that resonate through it. Um, I really love the, you know, just the catchiness of it. Um, it's very singable. Like even if you're not, you don't consider yourself a musician, nice flute parts, nice guitar parts, uh, but still has like some really interesting musical aspects that are really fun about it. What about you, Ethan? Um, well, I think the song is honestly a staple of the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find it pretty much on any 80s playlist. <clears throat> uh, it also has a really good bass line. It's very simple yet effective. The don't, do don't, do don't, do don't. Yeah. You know, and um, actually, did you know that this song was originally named Everybody Wants to Go to War? But after having some issues with the song, they, uh, they changed it to Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And it's just everything for the song just sort of clicked after that. And I think that's honestly what made it like a um, like such a popular song, you know. Uh, it, this makes this their first U.S. hit, which went into the number one spot. But Shout quickly took it over in like the span of two months. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that little tidbit. It's, uh, it's quite, a, quite an interesting factoid you bring up there. Next, yeah, uh, you know, just before around the half of the album, we have Mother's Talk. So, Ethan, I remember when we were talking about this, you had, you had something to say about kind of like the origin of the 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 song or kind of the idea behind the song. Could you remind uh, us in the audience what what that is? All right. Um. So, there's like two aspects to the song that like I want to like bring up. The first being like an old wives' tale about telling your children not to like pull their faces in the sense of like making like a grimace. Like, and if the wind changes, their faces will stay like permanently like that. Like, I've never actually heard that wives' tale, but like, honestly, I think it's more of like a UK thing than like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> than like uh, a Canadian thing. So, like, have you ever heard this wives' tale, Nolan? No, it seems a little bit too, like, I don't know say, ridiculous, like, really uh, hyperbolic for, you know, but who knows, who knows, in the UK they put beans on toast, so you know what, it's not the weirdest thing that's come <laughs> out of that country, so. <laughs> um, okay, the second thing that I want to bring up about this song are the apparent evils of, like, nuclear power. Like, when Roland sings about when the wind blows, um, it's a reference to a Raymond Briggs graphic novel of the, of the same name. This can further be proven by, like, the music video of Mother's Talk, where they're, like, sort of preparing for, like, nuclear war. That's, like, the best way that I can describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for me, like, what really is awesome about this song, because, like, even though the song is very, like, um, I would say like catchy, you know, one that you can like kind of nod your head to. I really like kind of this 
the intro where you have that like sort of uh, I would say kind of like a swipe of the the string instruments you gotta have the string orchestra which kind of gives it like a horror feel like almost like a like a what do you call it like a movie soundtrack we you know where the the killer raises the knife and it's like uh, oh yes yes I know what you're talking about yeah now. so it kind of like gives it <laughs> it kind of just like you know it's a nice way to capture the audience's attention and as for the actual song itself um I think the song has a really nice percussive line um I do however think like I'm uh, uh, sorry I also think that like the lyrics and the melody sounds like a little childish to reflect kind of like the the childlike you know nature of the the wives tale of the you know the UK saying you know the, the mm-hmm. we can work it out is very you know tinny and like supposed to be you know I feel like a little bit childish or a little bit like quote-unquote boyish when when sung which I also kind of like to emphasize that you know child those chi- more childish themes that are present in the music mm-hmm. yeah moving on we have kind of the the biggest lull in the album I'd say um you know the one that kind of is the most down tempo the one that is the most you know mellow we have I believe I really like this song this song has some really good piano arrangement you know I think just the uh the voicing of the piano is really good it's really shimmering uh great legato melody and I, I think it's a really good precursor to what happens next on the album which is broken which we'll get into and i really like the ambience and the kind of the trickling instrumentals that come in and out what do you uh what do you think of this one buddy so honestly i'm not a huge fan of the song Mm. um it just feels so dreary and like gives you almost no hope Mm. um also while scouring the internet like i couldn't find any like interesting facts on it um like it's I feel like it's just not popular enough, though, like, to have, like, for people to have, like, actually researched the origins of the song, <laughs> and, like, and, like, I mean, it's it's not bad by any means, just not really for me. Yeah. No, that's that's understandable. Like, like I said, you know, per, perhaps the most, or sorry, the least, you know, interesting in terms of, you know, not, there's, like, no percussion except for the piano, and there's you know, not very much of a drive to the song, which all the other songs really kind of put emphasis on. So yeah, perfectly understandable take. Next we have one of the probably biggest highlights of the the album is Broken, which then transitions to Head Over Heels, which then again transitions back into <laughs> Broken. So quite a musical, you know, parlay there. So um I'll hand it over to you. To you, I know how fond you are of a song, so uh, give me give me your thoughts. All right, so these two are a very interesting combo. Head over heels features a riff from Broken, which is then slowed down and used at like the starting of Head over heels and used near the end of it as well. Um, most people only know this riff from uh, from Head over heels, but of course, without listening to the rest of the album. It's no wonder that most people only know it from this place. Uh, well, from this song, I should say. Um, there's also two versions of the song. One that is shortened, which most people know, which is the radio version. Mm-hmm. And one that is the full version, which appears on the actual vinyl itself. Mm-hmm. 
which is head over heels slash broken. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you know you get the uh, the full effect of the song. Yeah. This yeah, and like you were saying, the the riff, um, the little motif that plays like the dun da da dun da dun is played both in broken and head over heels and as you say but like what's really interesting is that this riff it kind of has more of like a i think it's a lydian quality to it in the sense where like it can be played over uh minor chords you know when it's played over minor chords and broken it gives you kind of like the agency that the song um you know gives you and then the one mm-hmm. in head over heels is like it fits more into the major chords uh, even though it's the same notes being played, so it gives you more of like this hopeful, dreamlike, you know, happy quality to it, which I find is just really creative in general. The melody is super catchy in both of the the parts. I think "Broken" is really something special in terms of like um, setting up "Head Over Heels." So like "Broken" kind of paints us the picture of something, you know, that is, you know, of course, broken, destroyed, something that isn't as it once was most likely referring to a relationship whether that be like um you know parental child or you know relationship in the romantic sense and i think that it's beautifully contrasted by head over heels which is like everything that like kind of the, the our narrator wants you know something happens and they're just head over heels like every nothing could go wrong in a sense um which i find is just a really nice contrasting before then you know, going right back into Broken with the, you know, the more desolate themes. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, good, good piece. And uh, <laughs> this is a this is a, a Kurt Smith written song, and I think that his songwriting like really goes understated, but like really shines a lot in in this piece in particular. Yeah, for sure. I think this is one of like the few songs that were actually written by a uh, by Kurt mm-hmm. Smith. So yeah, it's very interesting to see his take on um on uh like what it like like just to see his like take on like how the music or like their music sh- not should be made but like how like it is made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of throwing himself into the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get I get a hundred percent. Yeah, and I think that you know give credit where credit's due. You know. Um. <laughs> also i think that the yeah like the the, the songs transition so easily into each other um i love hearing the reprise of broken at the end of head over heels and there's a the song just like it doesn't feel like you could listen to broken head over heels slash broken and you wouldn't think that nearly as much time has passed by just because everything it keeps you it keeps you very entertained mm-hmm isn't much of a lull in the in this song there next we have the closing track of the album which is none other than listen what do you have to say about this one well um obviously the song's about like the cold war uh sort of sort of being like the smack dab middle of it um it has lyrics such as Mother Russia badly burned Your children lick your wounds mm-hmm. uh, This could be sort of like a scenario If like they did end up going to war And uh, leaving a long lasting pain For like future generations yeah. 
making them pick up the pieces that their like fathers have left behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As for the actual like musicality of this piece, I find it to be quite an underwhelming and considering what the entire album has kind of set up in the general, you know, grand scheme of things. I think it takes a while to ramp up. I believe it's the longest song in the album just if we're you know if we're not putting broken and head over heels as one huge clump but i think yeah this song just takes a while to get started and i don't think it really has as big of a payoff as you know i believe does or any of the other songs do that have any sort of that's a really good point i never thought of it that way where like the payoff of like waiting this long for like the song to like start Mm -hmm. up it doesn't it doesn't leave you satisfied at the end yeah so and that's like really the only problem i have with this song not calling it a bad song by any means i just think compared to the rest of the uh the material on this uh on this record it's uh it's probably the weakest in my opinion Mm Hmm. yeah all right nolan so uh let's go uh well that's the song rundown so um Let's move over to what we actually loved about the album. So, Nolan, what'd you love sure, about it? I'll start, yeah. Um, what I love about this album, just kind of jot down a few things. Uh, first, great title name. Songs from the Big Chair. Yes. Um, you know, really fun reference to, you know, a therapist chair, which is, you know, large in nature, so people can lie down on it, you know, when they're feeling most vulnerable. Um, fantastic lyricism. I like how the lyrics are a little bit, you know can be interpreted more than one way um isn't really specific to anything in general sometimes uh i think Mm -hmm. that the sound is just very original in this album um you know the mix of the different instruments and the synths are just really uh really uh smartly chosen and lastly great sequencing i find that this album just each song flows really well into one another i don't find there to be any songs that don't belong or kind of deviate from the general, uh, you know, atmosphere that this this record creates in the in general, and I, I think that I think that every song just follows each other so well, with kind of the exception of "Listen" at the end. But you know, that's just more of a personal, uh, personal opinion of mine. What about you, Ethan? What did you What did mm-hmm. you love about this one? Well, I love the artwork that was put into the sleeve of the album. I know it's not necessarily about the album directly, but, like, I don't know. It just it features, like, a young Kurt Smith and, and like, a young Roland Orzabal and, um, and Chris Hughes, Ian Stanley, Manny Elias. And, like, they're all just sort of, they're just still photographs that have been taken, I feel, at the perfect moment. Mm. And, uh, but I also enjoyed, like, reliving my high school experiences with this album. Because back in high school, as you guys already know, uh, I used to listen to this album on repeat. Even though I'm not from the time that this album was released, um, I still I still get a lot of nostalgia from it. Yeah. I, well, of course, we all have those really albums that we really hold dear to our hearts. I know next week, I won't spoil it, but we're going to be looking at probably one of my favorite, if not favorite albums so I, I i can't wait to talk about it so I'm, I'm really glad we got to explore this one today um mm-hmm. moving on might be hard for you ethan but was there anything that you disliked about this album that you like slightly less that 
left you wanting more? Well, honestly, uh, not much. Um, apart from, like, I believe, I enjoy, like, every song mm-hmm. on the album. And I must say that it's close to a near-perfect album for me. Um, there is one thing, though, that I, I don't know, that could have maybe made it, like, super spectacular was maybe having, like, a feature on the album, like, somebody who's not part of, like, the core mm. Tears for Fears group. Yeah. But, I don't know, to me, that's just sort of being nitpicky. Yeah, I thought, like, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Maybe maybe it would have made the album better. Maybe it wouldn't have, but couldn't, can't understate how, uh, how, um, how different some of the songs would probably sound with a feature, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, who would you want featured on this al- on this record if you had a choice? You know, throw throw a name out there. You know, an '80s, maybe even a an, a '70s artist. You know. Well, um, as for like '80s artists, like not many come up to the top of my head like right away. But I guess Toto would have been a real good one. Um, I feel like. Tears for Fears and Toto could have made something uh, quite special. But, um, you know, maybe AHA, you know, the uh, the singers of, like, Take yeah. On Me. That would have been uh, something. There, there would have <laughs> been some pretty good synth lines if, if AHA. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> what about you, Nolan? Do you think that, like, if you could hypothetically add, add one band or one group into this, hmm. uh, who would you... I think in. just like in a even thematic standpoint, like I think that Talking Heads would be a really really interesting one because Talking Heads, uh, you know David Byrne's performances are very much weird in nature. You know, like they're awkward and they talk about like anxiety and like kind of like you know fears in a sense. Like their music is already talking about that. And I thought that like Talking Heads, their music has like it would be really nice to see how like the Afrobeat era of uh talking heads would fit into this type of style of music it would definitely create some like super nice percussive uh songs so i think that's that would be my pick talking heads okay okay um so what about you what did you not like about the album uh i'm not a like i said mentioned before not a big fan of the ending i think it leaves a little bit to be desired um you know, I do like endings of albums that kind of taper out, you know, that don't just end abruptly, of course. But I think that this mm-hmm. s- this song kind of doesn't really fill that purpose for me. So that's that's all I'm going to really say. The rest is kind of a little bit too inconsequential to really, to really go over. So might as well go over our top three songs then. Before we do that, though, let's talk about some lyrics that oh, we thought were interesting yes. slash think are uh, also a little um, sus, if yeah. you will. For sure. Um, yeah, sure. I'll start. How about that? And mine is okay. taken from the opener, of course. Uh, shout. The lyrics that I'm going to be pointing out are the following. And I quote, In violent times, you shouldn't have to sell your soul. In black and white... They really, really ought to know. Um, I really love that, this line, because, you know, this is kind of like taking the uh, 
the stance of, you know, you shouldn't have to be controlled by something. And the black and white refers to, like, the newspaper and how they really ought mm-hmm. to know. So, like, how newspapers or, like, any media outlet of any kind, whether it be, you know, independent or, you know, representative of something in particular, uh, need to have the responsibility or need to know that they have the responsibility of, like, sorry, that they have the influence that they have and that they need to be responsible in how they use the information, rather. Sorry. Um, okay. And, yeah, okay. I think this uh, was really well reflecting, reflective of kind of the working class and how the media can can really warp the minds of the masses. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very what about, interesting. What about you on your end? Any of things the, that stuck out to you? Um, well, I did have, uh, one. It was, um, from, uh, uh, Head Over Heels. Uh, you keep your distance via the system of touch and gentle persuasion. I'm lost in admiration. Could I need you this much? Oh, you're wasting my time. You're just, just, just wasting time. So... I don't know what I find interesting about this is the the ending part that I just said was um you're wasting my time you're just wasting time so like like in the music video for uh for head over mm-hmm. heels uh by the way I haven't mentioned this yet but the music video for head over heels is batshit <laughs> crazy okay um <laughs> okay um so there's a rabbi there's um a chimp there <laughs> there's a ghostbusters reference like you've course, seen ghostbusters yeah. right well you know like the scene where they're in like the library and then like they open up like the um the index cards and they all sort of go flying mm-hmm. out one by yeah, one yeah, yeah. there's there's that in the music Perfect. video, when okay? I, that's definitely what I think uh, of when I think of uh, Head Over Heels, is that specific scene, of course. <laughs> okay, so back to what I was saying, though, is that in the music video, he's sort of um, like chasing this girl who's like the librarian, I guess you could say. Or, I don't know, maybe she's just like a summer student or something. I don't know. Uh, let's just call her the librarian for now. Um, <laughs> and so, um, he says, you're wasting my time. Mm-hmm. You're just wasting time. So to me, that means that, um, that even though she keeps like saying no and like turning him down, like it's wasting his time, but to him, you're just wasting time. Like meaning that the time that he wants to spend with her is like, not being utilized. Hmm. Exactly. Like, yeah. You get what I mean? Hmm. And I don't know. I just thought that was like yeah, a very some interesting some lyric. To think about for sure. All right. So moving on to perhaps my favorite segment is our top three and bottom one. So I'll stop with my third favorite from the album and my third favorite would be, of course, the first song on the album, which is Shout. Shout, I feel, is a great opener, really nice synth lines, really nice percussion, super catchy melody, 
uh, fun and you know nice and like it's although it's like longer in length I feel like it's still very exciting and has a nice drive to it even though it's a uh, it's quite repetitive in nature what about you Ethan what is your third favorite your bronze medal if you will well believe it or not Nolan um we have the same song mine is also shout <laughs> what do you have to say about it so I don't know shout was a very like catchy tune um like obviously like top three because it was just that good it, it was also stunning as an opener like um whenever you like as soon as you turn on like your uh, vinyl player and then you hear like the I'm not sure what you call it but the the um like you know the starting of the song like I'm, I'm yeah I'm it's a, my words it, it here, sounds but, like a drum um, machine along with some like some acoustic percussion you know like like the tapping on the glass yeah, yeah. and stuff and like, like that, you know exactly exactly and so like whenever you like you first turn on the uh the vinyl player or the record player um that's what you hear and then you're like okay i'm about like you're getting like all hyped up Mm -hmm. for the rest of the song of course yeah fantastic opener to a fantastic album my second favorite is um one that we talked pretty much at length about and that is head over heels broken um, that one is just fantastic. Love the riff, love the melody, love every single like piece of instrumental, uh, of like instrumental, mo- like has these motives and they just come back. And I think that everything about this song is so clever. And I think that it's like Kurt Smith's probably his best work in like all of his disc- discography. I think it's, uh, it's really understated how amazing this work is. Mm. What is your number two? Um, I guess my number two would have to be Everybody mm-hmm. Wants to Rule the World. Uh, just great song. Um, like like I said before, it was a staple of the 80s. Uh, really good tune, great bass line. Not much to complain about. Um yeah, that's, uh, that's the reason why it's uh, my second favorite song. And what might be your favorite, then, since since you're already talking? Well, my favorite would have to be Head Over Heels mm-hmm. slash Broken. What do you have to say? So, obviously, the music <laughs> video, I love it. Okay, it's so cheesy. Um, <laughs> it's so cheesy, but you know what? It, uh... It encaps it encapsulates the time pretty well, uh, even though I wasn't <laughs> even there to live it. But I just have to assume that that's what the '80s was like. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, it's um, very good. I really like what they did with the riff from Broken and sort of mm-hmm. putting it into Head Over Heels. And um, I like how at the the end of Head Over Heels, whenever yeah. he's like time flies. It uh, it sort of breaks down into into broken. Yeah, you got it. Again, like it's just uh, yeah. So it's, it's really cool. So what about you, Nolan? What's your uh, number uh, one? Song? My number one, very much a personal preference, is the working hour. Uh, super great saxophone intro, great mm-hmm. melody. Um, like sh- the melody is really good. The the key change comes at a very 
really good moment with the melody kind of changing a little bit more in its contour. Um, amazing percussion, keyboard motif, like the bum, 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 you know, with like the octave switch there. Super, 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 super fun of a mm -hmm. song. And yeah, I think like this, this song, like I swear it's only like two minutes when I listen to it, but it's so much longer than that, which is uh, it's just a real treat to listen to. I guess like time exactly. flies when you're time having fun, when... you know? <laughs> okay, okay, I just get what I did, I did there. I didn't yeah. even realize I was doing Funny it. Funny how time flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so enough with the positivity. What what is what might be your least favorite of the song? Doesn't mean necessarily bad song, but what might be your least favorite? The one that you wouldn't, you know, play on uh if you were past the ox, you wouldn't play necessarily. <laughs> um, well, I guess I would uh, choose "I Believe" as uh, my least favorite song. As I've already mentioned, um, I have a few problems with, like, not really any problems with it, but like, I don't know. It's just like dreary and doesn't really appeal to to like my style of music. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just. Uh, has to be probably my least favorite song not that it's a bad song like i said before mm -hmm. it's just not really for yeah, me perfectly valid me i would ha yeah i would have to you, say Nolan? probably no surprise but uh listen i think that it's you know like i said an underwhelming ed end to a otherwise great album just think that like i said the payoff isn't quite as nice for the amount of time we have to you know kind of work at it or listen to it so you know, not a bad song by any means, just don't really feel like it fits as an ending. That's all I really have to, about, uh, have to say about mm -hmm. it. So. And, you know, I do have to agree with you there. I'd have to say that, like, if there was, like, a bottom two, it would definitely be, like, my mm -hmm. my second least, I guess, like, seventh, yeah. technically, on <laughs> yeah, the exactly. list. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, it's not a bad song. It's just a bit underwhelming for yeah. what it's supposed to be. So before we wrap up, do you have any uh, closing statements? Any uh, last thoughts that you'd like to get out there? Well, all around a great album. Uh, there are a few songs that are a little weak on the album. Um, but again, they're not bad. Uh, it just brings back a lot of fond memories for me. Like... The story of, like, my last day of school. I was on the bus. I had a little Bluetooth speaker at the time. I was listening to Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Yes, I know. I was that kid. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's definitely worth a listen if you like 80s music or are a fan yeah, of synth pop. and I really only have to say, fantastic album. A little bit of an underwhelming end. Um, super catchy songs, and there's a reason why... You know, it's aged so well to this day. is because it's just really a fantastic piece of art. So I think that's about it from us. Join us next week where we will be listening to Turn On The Bright Lights, the uh, debut, picture-perfect debut album from none other than Interpol. Uh, and this is going to be a first-time listen for Ethan, so I'm very excited to see their thoughts on it. You know, a nice 10-song LP, so... Uh, 
we'll catch you then with that one. Yeah, I'm very excited to uh, to give it a listen, and I just want to say, like, once again, um, <laughs> just because I can, it's been about, like, 40 minutes now, so uh, it's funny how time yeah. flies. Am I right, Nolan? Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Bye. Of course. See you guys then. Bye.